This is Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Intuitive Oracle Jamie Hearn. Jamie stirs the cauldron with witches, shamans, healers, psychics, and mediums who bravely share their power and give you insight into what conversations with dead people really look like. It's probably not what you think. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes macabre, and always informative. Hello and welcome to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. I'm Jamie Hearn. And today, I'm super excited to spend some time with Julie Nelson. Julie is the rich witch magic creator. She's also the host of the Rich Witch podcast. And she is a perfumer, an astrologer, and her specialty is helping women tap into their magic to rise unapologetically. Welcome, Julie. Welcome, Jamie. Oh, that was a very good introduction. Thank you very much. (laughs) I know. I I mean, well, honestly, there's so much to tell about you. So if you could introduce us to who you are and tell us where your connection with magic came from. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, where to start? I, I've i been a little witch. Well, I was a little witch. I'm a pretty powerful one now. <laughs> Since I was a wee lass and um, it was always a fascination. I used to find, like, I just had such a fascination with the stars that was really big and I always wanted just to be there and I always believed I came from there and doing typical things that a lot of maybe not all kids but children that are interested in the witchy magical fairies and especially fairies I was very big with fairies and I used to whisper to them in the garden and do all of that sort of thing. And I have had encounters uh, when I used to run my coven, when opening circles and seeing little lights. Um, it was beautiful. And I wasn't on anything. It was <laughs> just sometimes they used to hover in our circle. And I used to feel this incredible amount of love and and tears used to just gently run down uh, my my cheeks. It was just so beautiful. And um, I've got a little witch marionette that my mother gave to me one Christmas. And honestly, I was about six or seven and she hangs on one of my doors here. So she's, she's an antique. I will say, and I still (laughs) love her and I talk to her and, you know, always fascinated with anything to do with witches and fairies and from the time I could put pencil to paper or crayons to paper, I've always drawn um, unicorns and dolphins and fairies and witches and all kinds of magical creatures and beings. And I actually, just coming back into the now time, the present, 
actually do have five unicorns, which are also known as miniature horses. And they would be my greatest healing. Currently not living with me. They're in a jasmine, but I see them four or five times, uh, three or four times a week at the moment because it's a bit of a drive. And they're absolutely oh, such magical beings. Horses have the most divine heart energy and um, they're my greatest healing. I love I'm that. Sitting in the paddock with them. They're divine. Yes. So it's always been there. It's, a, you know, my fascination with the stars as a child. At one point, <clears throat> I wanted to be an astronomer. I was too young. I didn't know about astrology. And actually, astrology used to be a part of astronomy. Right. Um, they really are so closely related. And it's social bullshit that tries to separate them. Of course. Always. It's like everything, isn't it? It was like um, astrology was once a part of the Hippocratic Oath for doctors and medicine. And it I was didn't know that. So yes. fascinating. Me medical astrology. I studied a bit of it. And, um, of course, I work with it with my plant medicine, working with the perfumery and the essential oils because my background is clinical aromatherapy and I um, have been doing that for 30 years I don't I do more mentoring and I lectured in it for 13 years in in Sydney and that's where my perfumery came from as I was heading into completing that diploma I then started studying astrology and I could see them all and then I studied tarot but I've never mastered tarot but I'm back in studying it now <clears throat> and so one of the things do you want me to continue talking or do you want to ask me oh no I'm fascinated I'm like oh tell me all the things where, where did it come from so um and I absolutely like I work with the phases of the moon and I'm a big Venus and Lilith astrologer I've got strong Venus in my chart so I love working with her and I think a lot of us we work with the stars the planets the asteroids the um, star signs as archetypal energies or I do anyway so um, that's how I think of them so it's if you want to tap into Venus and look at where she is in your chart and, and what house is she in and where is she going to show up and now actually Venus is very powerful so she, I have a question about that yes um, I am barely superficial knowledge <laughs> in, in astrology so how does the where Venus is in your birth chart versus where Venus is in your current depiction. Where she's transiting. Yeah, so where she is in your birth chart is, so our birth chart is like our blueprint and it never changes. So, for example, I'll use my chart because it's easy. Um, I have Venus in, in Libra in the eighth house. And so the eighth house is natively ruled by Pluto and Scorpio. 
and it's a water house. So very deep, intense emotions, life, death, rebirth, so transformation. So that's the that's the energy of the eighth house, other people's money. It's known as the house of um, sex, death, and taxes. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Texas. Well, I guess that there could be some excitement there then, huh? Uh, absolutely. You know, and like with Venus there, who was the goddess of love, beauty, abundance, prosperity, fertility of birthing of ideas. So you, the easiest way to describe it is you combine all of these energies together, which I'll pull together in a minute. And then my Venus is in Libra, and she rules Libra. She rules Libra and Taurus. Hmm. And so <clears throat> there's a very quite strong Venusian energy in that house. I've got five Libra in the eighth house, and Libra is ruled by Venus, including my Venus there. So we can put the energies of Venus in with those energies of the eighth house and it's um, like you've got a very sexy witch sitting in front of you. Yes, I have. <laughs> there is no disputing that. <laughs> I can't help myself. So I think of Scorpio and Pluto as being a bit of Lilith energy as well because I love working with the two. That's my personal um, uh, reflection of them. And so, yeah, you could put in a bit of that sassiness and the eighth house is very deep very intensive being water very deep feeling quite curious and inquisitive so that is a part of your blueprint a part of who you are so that can show up <clears throat> in your life and it depends on where you are in your life for a start whether you're turned on tuned in and tapped in, as Esther Hicks and Abraham would say, to those energies. And because I love it and it's very strong, it just is a part of my, it shows up in my life daily. So, for example, um, Venus people, um, it might be Venus and Taurus, well, they love beautiful aesthetics. They love, Venus is very much about pleasure-seeking and sensuality and um, being tactile. Libra's more the mind. I know where my Venus is. Where totally is Totally randomly. Vir Virgo. But In my, what house? Uh, oh, I don't. That That's more than I'm aware of. Oh, okay. So say, for example, with, with Venus in Virgo and it was sitting in the seventh house, it could depending on the rest of your chart, but it could be that you're quite practical and organised in your relationships, your love life. Um, if it was sitting in um, the, uh, what's another house? Okay, so the 10th the house of Korea, it could be that bringing in those energies of Venus and Virgo into that um, area of your life and your career so it might be that remember Venus represents abundance and prosperity and the Virgo is going to be very practical about this and sh and and 10th house is actually um, an earth house as well 
as Virgo, and it's natively ruled by um, Capricorn and Saturn. So there's there's that very grounded energy, but mission driven. <clears throat> and um, Venus will bring in the abundance, and she may even bring bring in some creativity to. And Virgo will bring in the discernment and the practicality and the organization. So I find it really fascinating that Venus is depicted as the goddess of love, but she's not just about love and sexuality, but about so much more, which is really our birthright. Yes. She was also known as the prostitute. Fuck them. <laughs> I mean, whoever decided to label all of these amazing magical goddesses in our cosmology with connotations that. Oh, well, can I be frank? It was probably most likely patriarchy, the masculine and religion. You know, not here to upset anybody, just speaking my truth. I um, yeah, Absolutely. So. An archetypal energy. So it's really an interesting because I work with 22 archetypes outside of that. And then I bring in the perfumery as well to work with these to enhance them, to invoke or evoke them. But if we look at um, the archetypal energies, so I studied first level of Carolyn Mice's archetypal course and I loved it. However, now I've, I've, um, that I've, been dancing with them for a while I bring in my own interpretations so the prostitute uh, was about giving herself away so I'm going to flip that and say that she was a powerful woman and she knew that she could attract or uh, men or women to receive what she desired, and that was abundance and creativity. And if I can share a wee story about this, because it's it's one of my favourite, I have created a perfume called Cortisain. And there was a movie that came out many years ago called A Destiny of Her Own, and it's now known as Dangerous Beauty. And it was based on the true story about a very famous courtesan from Venice and she um, she was around 15th, 16th century and her, you know, it's really bizarre. I have literally just got, oh, Veronica Franco. I just had a total blank there because I love this woman. So she was a high court courtesan. And although the the movie has been Hollywoodized, it's it's beautiful yeah. to watch because it's very that Venusian essence of the lushness of jewelry and fabrics and uh, poetry and sensuality and the outfits that she wears are, are just stunning. She was a very powerful woman and very sought after. And courtesan actually is prostitute, but it's a much nicer word, or courtesan, some people say. 
she was accused of being a witch and she actually got off. And it is said that she, um, the, what was he called back, you know, the, um, the oh, somebody high up in the church was actually having sex with her. Some cardinal or something. Cardinal, yeah. It's quite gross too. But anyway, um, <laughs> so she got off this accusation of being a witch and she retired um, and she was um, accused of being a witch when the Black Plague came in. And, of course, all the courtesans, a lot of them were killed and accused of being witches. They created that disease. And anyway, she actually eventually took other courtesans under her wing and looked after them. She was also a poet. Oh. Yeah. So back in those days, courtesans were the most powerful women. women. They were the only ones that were allowed to be educated. They were allowed into a library. They learned how to read, write, play music, dance. And they were business owners. Well, exactly. They were amazing <laughs> entrepreneurial women. So to me, prostitute archetype is, well, it's like anything. There's a light and shadow side of it. But I think there is an, I will take that and put empowerment into it. And so I created this most beautiful perfume. It's an, I created it about three years ago. I still haven't put it on my website, but because I wear it, people want to buy it all the time because they mm. love it. So it's it's really interesting. But I I just love that story. So that is a beautiful story. And I want to thank you for providing me and all of our listeners an alternative perspective on the label uh, or archetype. But the the energy around prostitute, like that, looking at it from that lens really diffuses some of the anger I have toward the patriarchy for Mm -hmm. assigning Mm -hmm. those labels. So I'm grateful that, that you showed us that. Yeah, I love it because, um, and yes, there are the women that are very disempowered and, you know, caught up and stuck and often men are their pimps um, and we don't have to go into that. We know that. However, there is a very powerful, powerful aspect of that and I don't think she's giving herself away is I choose not to take that on board. I take on board that she is a powerful woman and it's her choice who she beds with. She's in charge. She's a witch. She's powerful. So I have a question. Do you think she was a witch? Um, I, you know what? I actually think in a way whether she chose to take that on board or not. What a great question. But when you saw her play, and of course, you know, it's hard to know what really happened. I've done research on her true history in that. And as I said, the movie is Hollywoodized, but she was powerful. And she was an enchantress. She was a seductress. So, 
in that way, yes, she was charming. She charmed. She enchanted. So whether and she took on the name of which she knew how to utilize the power that she had. Yes. From my understanding, it wasn't her choice in the beginning. Um, um, so, and that's okay. But then she, she took it on and she became quite wealthy. She did lose her wealth as well when the Black Plague hit. However, she was uh, quite a wealthy woman at one point when she was doing very well because she was most the most sought-after courtesan. And as I said, from the wealthy and the rich. And, and good entrepreneur. Perceivingly <laughs> powerful. Yes. Yes. So if I think of the um, enchantress or the seductress. For me, when we step into that as women, it's very powerful and it's not dirty. It's not a dirty, they're not dirty words. They are owning our feminine essence, our sexuality, our sensuality, our woman essence, and that is empowering. I love that. <laughs> oh. So, uh, and I find it interesting to apply that perspective across numerous powerful women who have been villainized by whatever institution was threatened by them. Yes, absolutely. So it's really interesting when you look at people's charts because you can see it. If you understand astrology, you can see it and you go, ah, you know, and I see like I really live in mine because I've got a very strong Lilith energy in mm. there as well. And also Lilith sits in my, um, oh, another mental block, uh, uh, second house in Aries in my south node. Yes, in my second because um so that's very powerful. So with our South Node, these are very powerful qualities that we are born with. We They are innately within us. So Aries, the warrior woman, passion, motivated. Um, Lilith, you know, that. well, in patriarchy, if you Google her, they say she's the devil, the demon woman, the blood-sucking vampire. Or I like the one that she was Adam's first wife. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I think, well, actually, I quite like vampire energy in a good way. It's their magic and they can sparkle and they can fly and do all of these wonderful things. So um, but that Lilith energy, for me, my modern interpretation is very simple. She's a woman that's not afraid to stand in her truth and rise unapologetically. Now, how powerful and empowering is that? And when you bring her and Venus together. Oh, boy. Amazing, <laughs> amazing synergy. And then you can bring in essential oils to tap into those archetypal energies. For example, um, um, let's say, well, Venus is very much rose essential oil. 
um, Venus ruled rose essential oil. So that's one essential oil. And then if you want to bring in some sexy playfulness, that aspect of um, Lilith, the sexiness, then Ylang-Ylang. I mean, she's, she's unapologetic. She's very playful. She's like, I have her in my fragrant oracle deck as a burlesque dancer. So she's on stage and she's enchanting everybody as well. So, you know, and you might have a bit of um, black pepper in there for some hot, spicy, sexy warrior, um, you know, archetypal energy and for me I would also bring in vetiver just to ground me because I do need grounding because I'd get I'd get way out there that's one of my favorites it's fantastic for grounding yeah and eighth house actually is also the occult so witches astrology tarot etc etc so it's no wonder that I do what I do because I've got (laughs) so much in the eighth house and I do it with such passion and um, I live it abundantly like it isn't a part of my everyday life and I'll just share this with you because I think this is important because you asked me how I got into all of this and I just want to take you back to 1988 when I had my daughter and she was the youngest and smallest tough baby born back then. And she was a miracle baby. We didn't know if she was going to live or die. And even at birth, we were separated. She was taken to another hospital that night because they couldn't cater for her needs. And she had an operation oh, the my. day after. And up until the age of 15, 16, we spent, of our time living in hospitals. So I always lived right by a hospital. And when she was little, I was told many times, several times by her specialist team, they didn't think she was going to survive. So this is where I learned, like, that my Lilith in Aries and my South Node in Aries in the second house really came in because I fought the systems. I fought the hospital systems. I fought the school systems. I um, I bought in, you know, that's how I started studying aromatherapy. And oh. then I went into astrology because astrology, all the plants are, have astrological associations and like us, all made up of the elements. And when I first discovered them, I was introduced by a friend and immediately, like I was just taken in by them, how they made me feel like the power of the beautiful aromas. And so I'd use them at home and I just found that they helped us and then as I studied I used them to help my daughter um, you know strengthen her immune system and help with her lungs I never took her off medication by the way so I want people to be very clear about that and if you had that was your choice (laughs) yeah yeah I wouldn't have though because she needed that intervention like surgical procedures and 
and antibiotics that sometimes did save her life or other medications, no doubt. And one of the things where I used to fight them was they'd say, like her respiratory specialist, uh, we want Amy to be on antibiotics for the rest of her life. And I'd go, I don't fucking think so. That is not <laughs> going to happen. You know, I mean, I was um, accused of neglect. I was threatened to be kicked out of the hospital by security because I pulled them up and I didn't let them get away with anything. Right. And, uh, and there was much more good than what there was bad that happened, but the systems break down. And they're so by the book sometimes, and the book doesn't always work. Um, right, because the hmm? book that we're often presented with is not the full array of available options, remedies, treatments. No, it's pharmaceutical. And I and I don't get me on pharmaceuticals. <laughs> I think they have their place. I will always say that. However, you know, I don't know what it's over there, like over there, but here you go into a doctor, you're a, you know, they have to see so many patients a day. Yeah. This is the um, you know, part of the regulations, the legislations, the fucking system, whatever it is. And so they don't get time with you like you used to be able to build relationships. And um, I do. We we actually, we own a farm. So the vet comes to our farm and we have conversations with the vet about our own health more than any other medical professional but you know yeah. that's a conversation for another day <laughs> oh absolutely there's so much isn't there so yeah let's let's get back on track because I can easily go off you know like I said I can be out there in the ethers a lot of the time well before we wrap up because we're almost at time I want to make sure people know where they can find you and learn more about the magic that you put into the world you know like the rich witch circle and your upcoming book club oh yeah that's exciting I really hang out a lot on Facebook because I've spent 11 years building a presence there and it's easy to find me my website is julienelson.com.au and if you look up on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, um, I'm Rich Witch Julie Nelson or Julie Nelson Rich Witch. I might even have Artisan Botanical Perfumer. So I'm very easy to find on Facebook. And I love connecting with people. So, you know, I'm always open for a chat. So I'm starting up my Rich Witch Circle, which is a weekly gathering where we just we have conversations we do spells sometimes um this is not a program where you're learning to be a witch I have an academy but that's not open at the moment I'm launching that again next year um but the circle is about meeting like-minded women I do only work with women and we we oh, talk about astrology we talk about ghosts we talk about goddesses in oh, our cool shit. <laughs> yeah and we have fun you know 
So there's that, and um, that's $47 a month AUD, and we meet on a Monday night. If I got enough people overseas, I would be more than happy to run a second class um, where it suited the USA peeps. Although, yeah, so it depends on the time. And I am starting a book club on the 20th of this month, I think it is. And we're going to be doing all different books. The first one is by a famous witch from Salem in um, the US, um, Laurie Cabot. Actually, I, I, I just started reading it on your recommendation. Oh, cool. What are you thinking of it so far? I'm really liking it so far. Yeah. I, I, I just started it this week, so I'm not too far yeah. into it. Although I wish I had no appointments for a whole day so I could just sit down and read it. <laughs> yeah, because it's not a huge book, but I like it because there's no hype. She's in her 90s. I think she's 90 or 92 now. And, um, you know, she brings in some of the history and she talks about spells. It's a beautiful, I think it's a very empowering book for witches to read. And, you know, I have many books, so we will. We will be done. And even women who don't take on the moniker of witch, I think it's an empowering book for them to read regardless because it, it brings a new perspective on the divine feminine and feminine power. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I, I have women in my community that do not like to identify as a witch. Um, for me, you know, that's my Scorpio going... <laughs> Um, you know, I don't care, but I always say like goddesses, priestesses, witches, women of the modern world, however you like to name yourself, it doesn't matter. For me, Rich Witch is all about enriching your life and owning your power and rising unapologetically. I love that. So let's conclude on that beautiful mm. sentiment today. Thank you for all of the amazing information and wisdom you've shared with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's hard to shut me up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, when I chat with you, the time goes by so quickly, I, I can't even keep track of it. So we'll, we must do it again. We will. I'd love to. Thank you for joining us. See you next week on Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. Peace and Badass Magic. Thank you for listening to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Jamie Hearn. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. 